the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Hello, my friends. I'm Dennis Prager. You want to understand the time in which we live, I'd like to offer you a thought that I've expressed many times, but I, I'm going to express it in a, in a new way, thanks to a book I'm reading by Oz Guinness. It's called the Magna Carta, what is it, of, of, of you. I've got to get the name for you. In fact, I will be with him all of next week in Florida. I will be broadcasting from Florida next week, but I'm there all week. And it is uh, something I'll talk to you about later. Jordan Peterson is organizing it for Daily Wire. About six of us with him, Ben Shapiro, myself, Oz Guinness, two or three others from England and Canada just doing the book of Exodus. As you know, I have a statement about my 40 years of broadcasting, 40 years in actually in two weeks. Now, that's a celebration. It's hard to believe. Any 40-year period is hard to believe. I could even talk to you about the number 40, and I might for a moment, but... I have always summarized the essence of what I have done and do and intend to continue doing as what are the consequences of secularism. That has been the theme, the disastrous, human-crushing consequences of the of an entirely secular worldview that has taken over all the totalitarianisms of the 20th century which destroyed a billion lives m- murdered a hundred million people tortured god knows how many hu- humbled and humiliated people they were all secular Religion has done damage, but religion is like water. It drowns people, but it is also the necessity of life. And he puts it as what is happening now is the battle between Paris and Sinai. I love it. I just love it. That is right. That is the battle in a nutshell in the United States and the Western world today, battle between 
Sinai, the place of liberation of the Israelites, the Jews, the Hebrews, whichever term you wish, and the receiving of the law, the Ten Commandments. You want to be free? Control yourself. In a, in a sentence, that is the motto of Sinai. Even if you're free of a pharaoh, even if you are free of an external slave master, you are not free until you are free from internal slave masters. The French Revolution undid all that. The French Revolution was anti-Sinai, anti-religious. The American Revolution was founded on religion. The know-nothings who tell us, well, what are you talking about? It was Jefferson who said separation of church and state. They are truly know-nothings. They have, they're either know-nothings or liars. I give them the benefit of the doubt that they are know-nothings. First, the phrase never made it into any official document. Secondly, it was just in one letter written by Thomas Jefferson, and it was about giving religious people freedom from the government, not giving the government freedom from religion. But other than that, well, there is no other than that. The, the amount, the number of conservatives who believe in secularism is a big part of the problem. The, many of these are wonderful people and great allies in fighting for liberty in America. But, but ultimately, their doctrines cannot survive, cannot prevail. Paris gave us the French Revolution. The French Revolution was rooted in the Enlightenment, not in Sinai. And of course, if you went to school, you regard the Enlightenment as the pinnacle of human moral and intellectual achievement. And it did some good things. Almost nothing does only bad things. It did some good. But it turns out that the heirs of the Enlightenment of the people who tell you that there are more than two sexes or genders as they have put it. It's a phenomenon this two gender, more than two gender, this non-binary idea. It's, it's really a phenomenon. If it's scientific that there are more than two genders or sexes as it should be called, why did scientists not know this until about 10 years ago? Why is this just discovered? Were all the scientists, all the anthropologists, all the students of humanity morons? They didn't pick up on what is so obviously basic that quote-unquote sexual identity is a continuum? And I'm supposed to believe that? You have undone all of science since science was invented or discovered, and I'm supposed to take your word for it? A professor of gender studies at Dartmouth? So I thought you'd want to know what the battle was about, Sinai versus Paris. American Revolution led to liberty, the French Revolution led to tyranny. 
Russian Revolution led to tyranny. The Nazi Revolution led to tyranny. Chinese Revolution led to tyranny. Sinai led to liberty. But you people have been brainwashed into thinking that religion is for the dummy. The non-dummy believes there are more than two sexes, that men menstruate. That's what the non-dummy believes. Did you know that the NCAA, yes, the NCAA, the governing board of sports in colleges, has nominated Leah Thomas, a biological male who cheated his or her way into victory over women in women's swimming at the University of Pennsylvania for the Women's Athlete of the Year. That is how bad and sick everything, everything associated with our universities is, from sports to academics. University of Pennsylvania, another wasteland, another farce in the name of university has celebrated and I think nominated her, Leah Thomas, for Women's Athlete of the Year, despite the fact that their own female swimmers lost to Leah Thomas. Because Leah Thomas is is a little-nothing cheat. That's all Leah Thomas is. And all of her or his supporters celebrate cheating because Sinai is a farce. Feelings, uber alles. I wrote years ago, many years ago, we live in the age of feelings. You have now lived to see its consequence. If you feel you're a woman, you're a woman. If you feel you're a man, you're a man. It's not that you feel you're a man or feel you're a woman. You are objectively such. Complete denunciation of truth and reality. And you're called a hater for saying the obvious. The emperor is naked. You must hate the emperor. So that's a little summation of the point in time in which we find ourselves. The French Revolution versus the Sinai Revolution. Pick one, my friends. We know where each leads. 1-8 Prager 776. I'm Dennis Prager. The Dennis Prager Show. Rising interest rates, stock volatility, out of control inflation. People are concerned about what the future holds financially. This is Dennis Prager for AmFed Coin and Bullion. There's no better time than the present to move a portion of your IRA into precious metals. Gold and silver IRAs are more popular than ever, and dealers are advertising heavily for your business. You should know there's a right and a wrong way to set up your precious metals IRA. Mistakes could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars in IRS fines. Nick Grovich, man I completely trust, owner of AmFed Coin and Bullion, has agreed to send you a concise report about how to set up your IRA and how to get the best bang for your buck. Nick and his team will be happy to help you set up your precious metals IRA or review your current account. Call AmFed Coin and Bullion, 800-221-7694 for your free IRA report and all your precious 
precious metals needs. AmericanFederal.com. That's AmericanFederal.com. Hello, everybody. In light of what I was just talking to you about, Sinai versus Paris, the Sinai Revolution, Sinai Outlook on Life versus the Russian Revolution, excuse me, the French Revolutions, That's the French Revolutionaries, which is the Democratic Party, more and more power to government, more and more talk about equity. Listen, this is a very scary headline, and I don't get scared much. Washington Post, spokesperson for the left. Biden could declare climate emergency as soon as this week. A major reason, if not the major reason, for the price of energy, that is to fill up your car, etc., is because Joe Biden and, and the crackpots of the environmentalist movement, rich, white, bored, secular people. That is who comprise the environmentalist movement. It's funny that I'm saying white because it usually doesn't matter, but in this case it's overwhelmingly. And they're overwhelmingly wealthy like Tom Steyer and the others, and they're bored. They have no meaning in their lives, so they must invent a meaning, saving the planet from global warming. You can't get more meaning than that. I'm saving the planet. At the expense of people's ability to eat around the world because they have no energy, at the expense of vast numbers of people in the third world dying because of the pollution from indoor heating and cooking, but they don't care about these people. You see the riots in Sri Lanka? You know why? Because of environmentalist a-holes, which is a redundant phrase. The environmentalist movement is sick. It is sick, and it's a lie because it it refuses to endorse nuclear power. They don't give a damn about what they claim to give a damn about. If they did, they would be pro-nuclear power. France gets 60% 60 of its electricity from nuclear power. We're going to fly airplanes on on wind power, on, on electric batteries. You know how electric batteries are made? See our video on electric batteries, on electric cars. See how lithium is, is used, what it does, where it's mined, and then tell me that the electric car is really, really environmentally wonderful, a gift. It's a gift to China. A new emergency. We just had an emergency of lockdown. That's what they live for, these people on the left to lock you down, to control you. The fact that you are free, that you will ride in a car on your own and live where you wish to live in a house as big as you want, this bothers people on the left. The smaller your house, the happier they are. The less you drive, the happier they are. Get into a train, you sheep. The car is the symbol of independence, loathed by the left, which is always, always totalitarian. A state of climate emergency. It's up there with men menstruate. 
So what will they do? All these emergencies, uh, they all do the same thing. They control more of life in America. White House officials are scrambling to advance the president's environmental agenda agenda after talks with Senator Joe Manchin III stalled. President Biden is considering declaring a national climate emergency as soon as this week. According to three people familiar with the matter, the potential move comes days after Senator Joe Manchin told Democratic leaders he does not support his party's efforts to advance a sprawling economic package. That includes billions of dollars to address global warming. More billions to be printed and make your dollar worthless. Those of you who are retired and vote Democrat, you're stupid. Sorry, you may be nice, kind, generous, loyal, every wonderful thing, but you're stupid for voting for the party that is ruining your savings. Your life savings is becoming monopoly money, thanks to the Democratic Party, the arm of the left. And it will be more. There's always a reason. And there's the big one. This is all an excuse to control your life. The whole environmentalist movement has become an excuse to control your life. If the emergency is invoked, it can empower the Biden administration in its efforts to reduce carbon emissions. What does that mean? What does that mean? The government will control more of my life? It will tell me how many miles I could drive? Every single environmentalist who is, uh, who is on the green edge of, of the environmentalist movement would like to monitor how many miles you drive. In anticipation of a potential announcement, Biden is set to travel to Somerset, Massachusetts to deliver a speech on climate change on Wednesday. That's tomorrow. The president intends to speak on, quote, tackling the climate crisis and seizing the opportunity of a clean energy future to create jobs. God, did they lie. And lower costs for families. Oh, my God. It will lower costs. Tell me a country where people have lower costs because of going to wind and solar. Tell me one country. Germany, Sri Lanka, Ghana. Name me a country where this gigantic lie of Biden and every single spokesman for him, like the New York Times and Washington Post, and of course what your kids get in school, it's a gigantic lie. We will lower costs. Lower cost, the lowest cost is gasoline from, a, from fossil fuel. That's a fact. This is a very scary thing, state of emergency. This is a new thing. States of emergencies to control our lives. But the whole media is for it. Except talk radio and some others. Towels just don't seem to dry you anymore. They feel soft and lotiony in the store, but you get them home and they don't absorb. Well, Mike Lindell at My Pillow found that out around 2006, and towels changed forever. He found the best towel company right here in the USA. They have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work, and that happens to be true. I use them. They are all made with USA cotton, and they come with the MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. 
six-piece set, two bath, two hand towels, two washcloths. Regularly $109.99, now $39.99. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the new radio listener specials and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels, by entering the promo code Prager. Or call 800-761-6302 for these great radio specials. MyPillow.com, promo code Prager. Hello, my friends. You're listening to the Dennis Prager Show. I'll take a call, actually. Jim in Detroit, hello. Hey, how you doing? Okay. So I was just listening to you talking about the Leah Thomas thing, and the whole sort of uh, issue kind of comes back to me is if somebody believes they want to live their life as a woman, as, as this guy wants to do, they're two separate issues. They're They're kind of mutually exclusive. I mean... He is a man, clearly biologically, who wants to live as a woman, dress as a woman, and act as a woman. I'm not going to do the sports thing quite yet, but I think that's where the differentiation kind of needs to be. Living your life as, as a woman, okay, have at it. Um, clearly, you're not biologically a woman, and you can't participate in sports that are protected by Title IX because that's based on physical identity. They're changing Title IX. It will now, yes, it will now include what you think you are. Well, that, no. <laughs> well, you can <laughs> that, say that no. It really doesn't work. It, 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 it will work for them. That's what they do. They shove these things down people's throats. I don't care how he lives. I'm with you. That's, that's between him and himself or herself. But you can't uh, cheat in sports. That's all. The whole reason there is women's sports is because biologically they cannot compete with men biologically. That's it. Lake Forest, California. Jeff, hello. Yeah, hi, Dennis. Uh, thanks for taking my call on the same topic. Um, I think that you said um, that you don't care about the life that they choose to live, and I'd like to challenge you on that because... While I agree with you that this movement of gender fluidity is is misplaced and and not really accurate, I think the reason that it does exist is because gay, homosexual, trans, whatever term you want to use, or the whole spectrum, these people have been treated with such disdain and resentment by not only the religious community, but, you know, frankly, society as a whole, that this is an outgrowth of that. They've been marginalized. They've been humiliated. They've been told that they're sinners and, and, um, and, and told that this is a wrong decision. And, and so they're looking for respect. And now, have they taken it too far? Yeah, I think so. I would agree with you, but I wondered if you would acknowledge. I acknowledge that all. Yes, of course. It's not an outgrowth of that. It is an outgrowth of ideology that seeks to undo the idea of binary sexuality. The the number of transgender, known as transsexual, until until the last ten fifteen years, was was so tiny as to that any generalization about it is 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 unfair because you're talking about 
people that almost nobody ever met, the this explosion of teenagers saying they're the other sex has nothing to do with mistreatment of transgenders in the past. Nothing. It is about confusion and ideology of the present. Men menstruate is not a not a not a statement that is a result of past mistreatment. It's an ideological statement to undo the male-female distinction in the human species. Well, I and and, and so that, and that comes from what then, in your opinion? What what what's the what's the birth of, of that? The birth of that is the same as the birth of America is a racist society, systemically racist. It is a hatred of the contemporary order that has been built on America's original foundations, and it's really ultimately a hatred of uh, of religion. Religion says God created the human male and female. We hate religion. We hate the Judeo-Christian order idea. We hate bourgeois middle-class values, and we will undo everything. That's what it comes from. It has nothing to do with this particular. Men menstruate has nothing to do with past mistreatment of transsexuals. These people want to change everything. What was it? There was a phrase that Marx would quote. We we want to burn everything. I'll get the exact phrase. It's a very important one. That's what it ultimately... uh, amounts to. That's why the greatest hatred today dwarfs hatred of gays or or transgender is the hatred of Christians. And I'm a Jew telling you this. The the greatest hatred by far, the group that more people hate than any other in America are Christians. A lot of people are Christians, but the Christians are the most hated. And to give you an idea how the left controls language, there's no word for Christian hatred. There is for Jew hatred and Muslim hatred, but not for Christian hatred. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening, who should call right now? Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. For decades now, I've had Michael Fomento on the show. Michael Fomento is what we call an outlier. Not all outliers are right but all good and truth comes from outliers. The herd lies and the herd destroys. Outliers are the only people who have the courage to say things that are true. And even if they're not always right, and nobody is always right, they're far more right than the herd, which has certainly been true now. It was true during 
the claim that AIDS was an equal opportunity killer. An equal opportunity meaning hitting heterosexual men and women as much as homosexual or gay men. It was overwhelmingly IV drug users and their partners and gay men and their partners. This is not an attack on gay men. Saying it is an attack on liars who denied it, like Time and Newsweek at the time, showing a heterosexual woman on the cover. One of them did. I don't remember which. And that was an example of a typical victim of AIDS. The latest now is the latest thing for you to be scared about is monkeypox. And I have Michael Fomento on the line. I never know where Michael is. He's always in a different country. <laughs> Am I allowed to ask you, Michael, where you are now, or is that uh, a secret? Yeah, it's uh, it's the place where the uh, movie and the TV shows Fargo was not filmed. <laughs> in other words, I'm in Fargo. <laughs> It was filmed in uh, Minnesota and Canada, but uh, they like the name. Yes, I'm in Fargo. You're in Fargo. All right. Last time I spoke to you, you were in, I think, South America or or Central America. Anyway, good to talk. Philippines, actually. You just made your point. (laughs) It was the Philippines? Yes. Oh, that is hilarious. Yeah, they did make my point. That's true. All right. So, Michael... uh, Give us a little background, a brief synopsis of what is claimed with regard to monkeypox. Well, the truth of it is, this is definitely unusual. This, this is an outbreak. There's no doubt about it. Monkeypox historically has been a disease not just of sub-Saharan Africa, but really just a, a small cluster of countries in West Central Africa. I'm looking at a map right now. So what we're seeing this year that we've apparently never seen before is we're seeing cases all the way from Australia on one side of my Mercator projection to the United States and Canada and Latin America on the other side. And Europe has the actual biggest cluster, the most Cases right now is in Spain. The UK has a large number of cases. We've never seen this before. And so, yes, there is something exceptional going on. There's no doubt about it. How dangerous is it? That's the good news, Dennis. It appears that, again, outside of that cluster in sub-Saharan West Central Africa, there have been zero deaths from monkeypox, which is, uh, for, the, for the mathematically challenged, that's the mortality rate of 0.00%. Uh, you can't do better than that. So, so uh, obvi- the obvious question then is, if nobody has been dying from it, why is it even in the news? Well, one reason is that people have gotten sick and tired of hearing about COVID. <laughs> Uh, sorry to be so cynical sounding, but you're as cynical as I am. So, <laughs> you know, they have to have something, right? 
Um, I, I think the, the, the very name monkeypox, that's you know, kind of attention-grabbing. And, it, again, this is new. And, you know, new always grabs people. Uh, it doesn't have to, to have a high mortality rate or anything like that. It's, um, it's out of Africa, and that always gives something a special allure. Um, but you're still, you're not, for all the attention, you're not getting the truth again that probably most of your audience thought that there's been not too many deaths, but there have been some deaths outside of Africa. And no, we found zero. And here we go again, getting in trouble. This is primarily a disease of gay men. So I looked up, I'm going to get to the gay men issue in a moment. The uh, I'm looking up something called, uh, I, I, well, I'll tell you exactly how I got to it. Well, just now I typed in death rate monkeypox. So this is from monkeypox facts, mortality rate, vaccine eligibility from verifythis.com. I'm not familiar with the site. And monkeypox symptoms usually last between two and four weeks, and the mortality rate is three to six percent. So why do they write that if it's zero percent? That's old. That's the mortality rate from Africa. So even in Africa, it's not. Uh, and let's compare it to its cousin, uh, which has a similar name, smallpox. Smallpox has a mortality rate of about thirty. 30%. Uh, and even if you survive smallpox, you usually had those horrible, horrible scars, uh, usually on the face. Whereas monkeypox tends not to leave any scars whatsoever. So monkeypox was a real terror, um, but, but this is not monkeypox. Uh, that mortality rate is 100% from Africa. Oh, so why that's doesn't make sense to me. Why would Africans die from the exact same disease that non-Africans would not die from? Apparently, it's just poor health care. And, you know, that's, that's an advantage I have in, in that every time we talk, it seems like I'm in a different country. I have that advantage of being able to speak different. All right, we'll be back in a moment. I'm speaking with Michael Fomento. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. I hope you'll see my column today. Tuesday is my column day. It's about the banner that I, I think I mentioned on the show yesterday, banner at the Church of the Covenant in Boston. And it's titled, God Said. And it's got a series of woke statements. God is woke. The antithesis of biblical values is proclaimed as biblical Imagine if a conservative church had a banner in the front said God said and then listed conservative positions, the mockery. What do you what did God communicate to you guys? But God communicates to leftists. You didn't know that. My column is at DennisPrager.com and townhall.com and in the course of the week migrates to the Daily Wire. American Greatness, Jewish World Review, and many other sites. Writing a column is an example of the power of routine. 
of doing something regularly, and that is what enables you to produce something in life. There are now 1,000 columns of mine on the Internet. Now, if you told me to write a 1,000 columns, I would, I would think you're out of your mind. And everyone takes a lot of thought and work. But if you do it once a week, over a lifetime it accumulates. Last hour, if you uh, were not on board, spoke about monkeypox. World Health Organization reported 99% of those who get it are male. The vast majority of them, this is World Health Organization, are those who engage in male-to-male sexual activity. But it, we don't know exactly why. We knew why in the case of heterosexual, excuse me, in the case of AIDS, why it was overwhelmingly gay men and intravenous drug users and their partners. But apparently we don't yet know why it is true for male-to-male sexual intimacy. But given the health care in the West, you don't have you really don't have to worry about dying from monkeypox. I came across a f- truly fascinating article, actually two. Sean, have you ever heard of the website Evie E V I E? It's a f- it's a female oriented site. I, don't, I, I assume it's liberal, but I'm not absolutely certain. E V or Evie, E-V-I-E. And it's uh, had a, a very, very interesting piece. Is your health related to your political ideology? Gina Florio wrote it. I'm someone who has been on both sides. who grew up fairly conservative in a Christian home. College and graduate school were simply the machines that turned me into a leftist. I've been in the heart of academia at Harvard University, and I spent years of my life surrounded by leftists, whether it was in higher education or the newsroom of the media company where I worked. A few years ago, I had my red pill moment. I dove down the rabbit hole and completely re-educated myself on what's actually going on in the world. Today I work in the conservative political space, and now I'm surrounded by people who have the same viewpoints as I do. Something I personally noticed after being on both sides is that liberal feminist women tend to be much unhappier and angrier than the average woman. They talk a lot about their health problems. On the other side of the coin, I've noticed that conservative women are generally happy, content ladies who are genuinely grateful for their life. A research paper last year found evidence that conservative-leaning folks have overall better health than their liberal counterparts. The researchers concluded that this was largely due to the fact that conservatives place a greater value this is interesting, on personal responsibility than liberals do. Of course we do. That's why we want the government the hell out of our lives. 
The bigger the government, the smaller the citizen, as I said many years ago. It's now a bumper sticker. You have to take care of yourself, you have to take care of your family, you have to take care of your community. The left believes the government takes care of you, takes care of your family, and takes care of your community. You can't get more opposite views of life than that. It is interesting that the people in the personal responsibility arena, I never thought of this. It will have health consequences. Conservatives place a greater value on personal responsibility than liberals do. I just said that, so I'm just reading the lines that I highlight. Personal responsibility, hard work, and rewarding merit are driving principles in conservatism. Extreme liberals, quote-unquote, suffered from a 150% increased rate of mental illness compared to moderates. Emil O.W. Kierkegaard wrote a paper in London at the Ulster Institute for Social Research called Mental Illness and the Left. It gathered various research and confirmed what I and many others have been considering. Apparently, they found that extreme liberals suffered from a 150% increased rate of mental illness compared to moderates. The studies also found there is a known strong relationship between religiosity and conservatism, as well as a clear connection between religiosity and both mental and physical health. Political conservatism has been found many times to be bound to longevity. I am only one person, and it may prove, it probably does prove nothing, but to speak about this one person, I am conservative and religious. I have extraordinarily good health. So, luck. But it is also a function of those two things. There's more inner peace in religious people. There's more inner peace in a conservative. When you think you're living in a society that wants to hurt you, it has bad effects. You walk around as a white individual thinking that you're the source of everybody else's problems, which is a farce. But I have come to realize you can say the most absurd things and it will be, uh, it will be believed. I made a list actually. The Age of the Absurd, you should look it up. Dennis Prager, The Age of the Absurd on the Internet is a recent column. Men give birth. It is fair to allow biological men to compete in women's sports. Defund police and crime will increase. Decrease, I'm sorry. Defund police and crime will decrease. Racial segregation is anti-racist. Opposition to racial segregation is racist. Latinx or Latinx, your race matters, diversity and strength, and the happiest countries in the world are Finland, Norway, Denmark, and Iceland, utterly undiverse, free speech does not allow for hate speech, you're not a human being until you're born, capitalism is evil, and number 11, America is systemically racist. The absurd.
They must have some effects on people's mental health to live in a world where you believe the absurd. Having grown up in a conservative southern town in Georgia, I saw what everyday American life was like. I lived it for 17 years. My childhood was all American, and my hometown was a fair representation of middle America. She goes on, more studies, linking leftism to depression. But we all know that. One of Prager's riddles, what do you call a happy leftist? An ex-leftist. We shall return. One eight Prager seven seven six. The Dennis Prager Show. All right, everybody. Dennis Prager here. I have noted for years that leftists are less happy than conservatives. There are unhappy conservatives. There are unhappy liberals. There are happy liberals, happy conservatives, but all leftists are unhappy. And I discovered some pieces on that in this website called Evie. So this woman is writing, she grew up Christian, then became a leftist, then became a conservative. Even though the small town feel was a bit boring, I saw a lot of people who simply were content with their lives. They loved their little family and were grateful for the abundance that came to them, and the majority of them were deeply religious. This kept families together and towns intact. When I was 13 years old, a close friend in my class was hit by a car and died. It was a devastating moment for us. I watched the religious communities rally around this family right away. They were the glue that held our small town together during that tragedy. When I compare that to all the modern feminists I used to work with and hang out with, the difference is glaringly obvious. These women were angry. They hated men. Many of them were overweight and had bad skin, and they were always finding something to complain about. Even more, nearly all of them were admittedly struggling with some kind of mental illness. Whether it was acute anxiety, bipolar disorder, or clinical depression... Many of them, I want to make sure, yes, right. Many of them would identify as liberals and seem very aware of their privilege in other respects, but appear to have no sympathy for women who fed their children differently. Okay, that's, uh, that's from a sip. Sorry, folks, my apologies. So that, that was one piece about mental illness, unhappiness, there was another one in Evie. Over 50% of liberal white women under 30 have a mental health issue. Are we worried yet? A 2020 Pew Research study reveals that over half of white liberal women have been diagnosed with a mental health condition at some point. Does this mean there's a correlation between progressive ideas and mental health? What if it was once a cheap shot or a personal insult? What if what was once a cheap shot or a personal insult has actually been found to bear scientific correlation between the individuals who hold progressive ideologies and an increased risk of mental illness? That's exactly what Pew Research has found, and all politics aside, 
The shocking diagnosis of over 50% of liberal women with some form of mental health medical diagnosis is a public health concern that no one seems to be discussing. Well, I have been discussing that because the correlation between leftism and unhappiness is a very important one. Remember, I have asked often, do the unhappy gravitate to the left, or does the left make you unhappy? And the answer is both. The study, which examined white liberals, moderates, and conservatives, both male and female, found that conservatives were far less likely to be diagnosed with mental health issues than those who identified as either liberal or even very liberal. What's more, white women suffered the worst of all. White women, ages 18 to 29, who identified as liberal, were given a mental health diagnosis from medical professionals at a rate of 56.3%, as compared to 28.4% in moderates and 27.3% in conservatives. So it isn't that you're conservative and you're mentally happier and healthier, it is that you're not a leftist because the moderates and the conservatives had essentially the same data, same statistic, to the extent that those statistics are reliable. Progressivism demands equality for all and keeps score to an exhausting, unsustainable degree. There's also the unrelenting focus on oppression, verbal violence, and microaggressions. We know that building resiliency against hardship is the best weapon against depression and anxiety. Hear that? That's correct. That's why I have a happiness hour. That's why I speak about building resiliency so often. On a personal note, I was told by Dr. Stephen Marmer, the UCLA psychiatrist who comes on the happiness hour periodically, when we were discussing handling pain, He said something to me either on the air or off the air, which had a deep impact on my self-perception. And he said, Dennis, you have very strong shock absorbers. And that's that's right, I thought. That's exactly what I have. I, I have them, and I've developed them. Everybody needs shock absorbers because life has shocks. Building resiliency against hardship is the best weapon against depression and anxiety, yet progressive ideology forces its followers to wallow in feelings of helplessness and victimhood. Instead of empowering women and minorities with self-knowledge, strength of character, and resilience to hardship, progressivism encourages victims to stay in a place of fear and helplessness. It's not just significant that the women suffering from mental health issues are white, but especially that they're so young. The age range of those most affected was 18 to 29. There's another factor, the fear factor, no pun intended. Why do you assume that the great majority of people still wearing masks are liberal? or leftist. Why do you assume that? Why were conservatives anti-mask to a much greater extent than people on the left? And the answer is fear. And you cannot be happy if you walk around in fear. It's all rooted in fear, the left. 
fear of life and fear of death. But both, not just fear of death, fear of life. One eight Prager seven seven six. We continue the Dennis Prager Show. Hi everybody. Dennis Prager with you. The unhappiness issue is gigantic. When I say at the beginning of virtually every happiness hour, which I've now been doing for 23 years, every Friday that I broadcast, which is about 48 Fridays a year, the happy make the world better, the unhappy make it worse. These are not throwaway lines. I say them in a cute way, but they are entirely literally meant If everybody were happy, there would be no left. There would be liberals, there would be conservatives, there would be no leftists. The best answer to leftism is happiness. Swarthmore, Pennsylvania. Bill, hello. Hi, Dan. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. I was calling in because I was very interested. I didn't hear you cite the name and uh, title and the author's name on this book. Uh, Swarthmore, Philadelphia area, it's very, very liberal. And these people are precisely as described in that book. And I think it'd be interesting to get the book and forward it to them. And if they are willing to read it with an open mind, all the proof that refutes their beliefs is right in front of them. You mean what I just read to you about unhappiness and leftists? Yes. Yeah, it's not from a book. It's from a, a website called Evie. We will put it up, and but it's not it's not from a book, and I will uh, happily do that as a service to my listeners. Uh, Lansing, Michigan. Matthew, hello. Yeah, the left is unhappy because they want power, and if they don't get power, they're unhappy. Even when they get it, they want more and more power. So we seek truth. Conservatives are truth seekers. And they're seeking power. It's like a balanced code between humanity. Half of, almost half the world wants power, other half wants truth. All right. Well, let me, let me react to that. I appreciate your call. They do want power. I, I, I wouldn't contrast power and truth. I do believe that we are more interested in truth than they are. The the number of gigantic lies in which we live, America founded in 1619, taught at schools as truth. Sex is not binary, is taught as truth. I opened up the show asking, how come no doctors and scientists knew this until about 10, 15 years ago? All of a sudden, sex is not binary. It's a continuum, and we're taught to believe that. It's a continuum. Is it a continuum among any other animals on the planet? After all, to the secular and the left, we're just an animal. Why are we the only animal that sex is a continuum? How come you know the sex of a dog that's born immediately? And it never wavers. So, uh, I... the. I agree with the truth issue, but I wouldn't counterpose it to the power issue. 
The opposite of wanting power is not seeking truth. The opposite of wanting power is not wanting power. (laughs) Basically, we don't want power over other people. We want to be left alone and we want to leave you alone. Have a nice day. That's why we want smaller government. And that's why it's very hard for conservatives ever to win in a democratic election. Because, by definition, conservatives promise you less. I won't give you all the goodies you want. Work for it. Earn it. Pay for it on your own. Take care of yourself. Who's more likely to be elected among humans, human beings, the human species? The person running for office who says, take care of yourself, or the person running for office who says, I will take care of you? Okay, there you go. That's why it's very hard to preserve liberty. Liberty means personal responsibility. And people don't want to be be personally responsible for themselves when the state can take care of them. Free school lunch, free school breakfast, free preschool care, free daycare, free tuition, free health care. Right? Isn't that more tempting than take care of yourself and vote for me? That's why we formed a republic, not a democracy. Loopy, loopy. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. Great to be with you. go to uh, Athens, Ohio, and J.W. Hello, J.W. Oh, Brother Dennis, you have no idea what an honor this is, my brother. Oh, my God, I've been listening to you for years and years and years. Thank you. And as a uh, physically blind and black conservative professor, you've kept me from many lonely, lonely days and hours. (laughs) Thank you you so are, much. you realize you are two BLs. Very few people can say that. Blind know, and black. There you go, brother. Yeah. And what, that wait. Means I'm, I'm double happy. <laughs> <laughs> you crack me up. You, you are a living example of what I was just talking about, Absolutely. about conservatives Absolutely, being happier. Brother. Absolutely, brother. And what I really called about was to thank you so much for having those young ladies host last week. Oh, oh my God. I know. They give Not me hope. Not only did they give me joy, but right. exhilaration and hope. Mm-hmm. Thank you, brother, for that. I hope we meet one day. Where are you? Athens, Ohio. I hope we yeah. meet. I really do. How, how blind are you? Are you? are you fully blind or, or what? Totally blind since birth. Since birth. And uh, been a professor of communication studies. I teach race and culture the right way, I hope. Well, you are literally colorblind. That's, a, <laughs> that's right, brother. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You're right, brother. <laughs> so it, it's really remarkable because for those who say race is important, mm-hmm. what do they do with the blind mm-hmm. who don't Absolutely. know, who can't know race? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, having said that, there is a book out that this guy studied totally blind people and found they have racist issues, too, but they got them from sighted people. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, help me out here. No, that's right. Let us say a a blind person yep. does not know from any speech uh, uh, accent or anything, does not know the race of the person. How could they be racist when they're told? Oh, when now told, now I now I really dislike you because I found out you're black. <laughs> and it happened so. And unfortunately, it's happened to me, Dennis. It's. Uh, Really? I don't, always sound, I don't always sound black, and then people are like, are you really black? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, wait, oh, you yeah. mean from blind people? From blind people. That's I right. see. That's right. Well, I am blinder. I'm sighted, but I'm blinder than they are. <laughs> there you go. That's right. That's the <laughs> irony. Hey I, I, hey, I really love you. You made my day. Thank you. He really did. Blind and black and... He has a choice. Walk around going, woe unto me, or loving life. So as soon as I know he loves life, I know he's not a leftist. He's too happy to be one. And I mean that literally. It's not an attack. That's why I read to you the studies from Pew. It's just a fact. The further left you go, the less happy you are. Many of you know that of your own children. If you have a conservative child and a leftist child, who's happier? It's a rhetorical question. 1-8 Prager 776, Culver City, California. David, hello. Hi, Dennis. Hi. Um, you know, I agree with you sometimes. I disagree with you other times. Um, but in terms of clarity, I mean, you keep saying something which I know you understand. Sex is biological. People argue that gender is a social construct. So, of course, you're male or female at birth. But you could have a different gender than your biological sex. You may not agree with that, but I think you should at least be clear. I don't think anybody is saying that you determine your sex. People say you determine your gender. So when you have women's when you have women women's teams at colleges, uh, are is that determined by gender or sex in your view? Well, that's arguable. No, oh, it's no, arguable. It's In your view, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to argue with you. I just want to have clarity. I, I, so, okay, so. Clarity. I don't have an opinion. You, you I don't have an opinion. Issue. No, Why is it complicated? Um, well, because sports, for instance, if you're five foot two, should you play in the same league, basketball league as people that are six foot eight? I mean, there are biological differences that make it almost impossible for you to compete biologically. Right, now, that's why you have that. That's why you have almost no five foot two players in the NBA. What's your point? I understand? Is that fair? I don't know. No, I'm, it's that's not fair. That is correct. It is not fair. Okay. I'm, I'm not. The, the purpose of sports is not fairness of who participates. It's fairness in the what outcome. About, what about biological females that have very high testosterone levels? Like uh, I forget her name, the South African runner that's not allowed to compete. Because she has high testosterone. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not familiar. Right. Well, then oh, she lucked. No, she, she lucked out. What am I going to say? Well, okay, I'm just. I'm just saying. It's not a complex a issue. issue. Then I why? Why have no? It, no. Okay, you're right. Well, I agree. To me, it's not, and to you, it is. I couldn't agree with you more. You think it's complex whether a biological male. You admit that his sex is male or her sex is male. You admit yeah. it, and yet you yeah. think it's possibly fair. To compete in women's sports, uh, I I'm just want to clarify why I we see the world in opposite ways. 
Well, I, but I do think when you continue to say that trans males cannot menstruate and have... I never... Uh, 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 you're cheating. You're cheating. They never say trans males. They say men menstruate. If they said trans men menstruate, I would have no argument. But when they say that, that's what they mean. Oh, they're lying. They're lying because only lies keep the left alive. It's a gigantic lie that men menstruate. It is not a lie that trans men menstruate, and that's why they never say trans men menstruate. They always lie. Always. The foundation of leftism, from Lenin to Soros, is lying to the Washington Post and New York Times and L.A. Times and CNN. Lies from the Trump collusion with Russia to men menstruate, to America founded in 1619. It is all lies. Men do not menstruate. Trans men do. The third hour on the Tuesday show every week is the Ultimate Issues Hour. You you might say that a major reason for the crisis in America of truth, of values, is that there are no Ultimate Issues Hours anymore. There were all of my life, because I had a religious education. We mostly talked about ultimate issues. The meaning of life, is there a God? What is good and evil? What is purpose? And uh, that is completely lacking in college, in high school, and in elementary school. So this is the Ultimate Issues Hour. On occasion, I have a guest. I've had this man on before. He's a delight. He's a treasure trove of knowledge. And he is a pursuer of wisdom, despite the fact that he is a professor. They're usually mutually exclusive, but not in his case. He's actually a distinguished professor of physics at the University of California, San Diego, Brian Keating. And Professor Keating, welcome to the Ultimate Issues Hour. Great to be back with you, Dennis. Thank you. The reason that I invited you on, aside from I'm selfish and it's just fun to talk to you, putting my selfishness aside is I have been mesmerized by this new telescope and how far into the universe it sees. So let's get a few facts and then I'll ask you some questions. So this is the James W the James Webb telescope, is that the name? Yeah, it's called the James Webb Space Telescope, known by a winsome acronym, JWST. Yeah, everybody knows that. So how f- uh, let me understand just just the facts, as they used to say on Dragnet. Just the facts, please. How far into the, uh, I guess, into space is it where it's taking its pictures? Well, it is located a million miles from the Earth, and it has a camera that um, is not quite as powerful as the new Fuji camera you talked about last week. Uh, so actually, NASA, <laughs> NASA contacted me to ask you if they can borrow <laughs> That's correct. the EPST, the Dennis Prager Space Station. That's right. So I'm just curious, why is it a million miles into space advantageous over 500,000 miles into space? 
Well, there aren't that many options when it comes to space. So you, what you need for a telescope is to be in orbit. When something's in space, it's in orbit around something. So the, the Hubble Space Telescope was in orbit around the Earth. It was in what's called low Earth orbit, which means it's only 250 miles above the Earth's surface. And that was done in particular to make sure they could service the telescope. And I don't know if you remember back in 1990, right after it launched, it had some uh, right. it had some stigmatism, and it actually did need to be repaired, or else it would have been, you know, a billion dollar uh, waste of money. Uh, but it was repaired, and it did phenomenal work for now 32 years, uh, and it's been returning this information. Now, the problem with that is that it's in low Earth orbit, meaning that it goes around the Earth every 90 minutes. Uh, so the space station, anything in low Earth orbit takes only 90 minutes to whip around the Earth. And so in that sense, it's in the either the Earth light or the sunlight 45 minutes out of every 90-minute period. So it actually has a, a, what we call a duty cycle of how much it's actually taking data that's not as high as desired. Now, the Webb telescope uh, also needed to be farther away from the Earth because the Earth is also a great source of heat. And that source of heat contaminates what the main signals that the Webb Space Telescope is looking for. It's not looking for light necessarily. It's looking for a, a form of light called infrared radiation, which goes by the other name of heat. So it's basically, it basically has to be as cold as possible. Now, to go to some place that can orbit in a stable place for decades at a time, there are only about five or so different options that are convenient for a space telescope to be located. And one of them happens to be located at what's called the L2 Lagrange point, which is a million miles from the Earth. So it's beyond the moon's orbit by four times the distance to the Earth to the moon. So this telescope is quite far away. So there is no, to answer your question, there is no really stable orbit at half a million miles. Uh, and it wouldn't be that much more beneficial compared to a million miles. Uh, and so all these reasons ca uh, cause them to put this telescope in, in this particular why, orbit. Why, uh, I, I know nothing about telescopes, but I know something about cameras. It, it's so cold a million miles from Earth. How does the camera operate? Well, that's the idea. So it has to be cold. So when you go into a, a dark movie theater and you come out, uh, your eyes are blinded. Even when it's at night, your eyes get what's called dark adapted. In this case, the telescope wants to see not light, but heat. So it has to get cold adapted. So the more cold it can be, the better. And so for that reason, this telescope is actually cooled to just a few degrees above what's called absolute zero. So it's it's almost 400 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. And, and, and that's where these how, do, how does it operate? So it's not so take, wait, 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 forgive me. Is, if it's looking for heat, or is it still a camera or is it a heat uh, assessor? No, it's it's basically like an infrared camera. So there are these apps right. you can okay. get. For, I know I'm interrupting, but only because I, 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 I each point needs to be clear to me. I don't understand how a camera could operate at th 350 degrees below zero. Okay. So, and it's fine to interrupt, Dennis. You get extra credit in my class for class participation. There you, you can go. even record. You can Thank even you. record my lectures. I let my students record my lectures. Okay, anyway, the camera is by design. It has technology called silicon camera technology that works better. These detect these these detector Amazing. pixels Amazing. work better when they're cold, hmm. not worse. Wow. Okay. So the gamble is in sending it to an ideal location to 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 get these photos. 
this far back in the universe's history, which is, of course, what I want to talk about a lot. But the gamble is we can't repair it. Exactly. And it was recently – so this telescope not only had to go to this distant vantage point, Dennis, it had to assemble itself. It had to put back together what was uh, too large to fit inside the rocket. So the, the telescope is 20 feet in diameter, but the rocket's only about 15 feet in diameter. Wow. So how do you get a 20-foot uh, you know, peg wow. in a 15-foot hole? So they made it assemble itself like origami in space. So it couldn't be repaired or even uh, assembled by astronauts. And we and there is no remote control. No, it's 100% remote control. It's oh, it is, remote, even, even yeah. though it's a million miles away. Yeah, that's not that far. I mean, the sun is 93 million miles away. Yeah, but away. We, don't, we don't control it. Well, no, we, we do send spacecraft there, and, and we, we haven't spent astronauts there yet, but there's a plan to do it at night in a little while. I know. I, I knew the at night line was coming. I was prepared to say it. Uh, oh, my, my dad jokes. You, you yeah, can't trump that's me right. with your granddad No, no, jokes. no. exactly right. So are, are you, uh, are, by you, I mean the... The astron the astronomy community, are you pleasantly surprised at how well this is working? Oh yeah, this has uh, really exceeded all expectations. Uh, if you're watching on video, which you can watch at Salem News Channel, that's how I watch Dennis every day. Uh, I'm showing a video of some of the first images, which comes from my YouTube channel. And my YouTube channel uh, did a special episode about this very uh, discovery and the images that it took. And these images are noteworthy, Dennis, for many reasons, one of which is that they are both scientifically interesting, chock full of data, but they also have tremendous visual. Oh, uh, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Yeah. That's the one, the ridges that, that you just showed. Yes. Uh, it shows you how interested I am in this, that I knew that. Uh, you, uh, you even learned redshift in my first book, Dennis. My second book, you learned right. about <laughs> blue shift, and now you're learning about cosmic clips. Uh, I'm too blessed. Uh, thank you. Yes, um, I'm, I'm I'm the non-distinguished professor of, of <laughs> physics. So, when I see those photos, aren't they artificially colored? Yeah, but all your all your cameras, your Fuji Pixel one, they're all artificially colored. The way these things work is you have just basically a white light sensor, and then in front of each camera, each pixel is are three different filters, three different colored filters. I happen to have one that's neutral. It's called neutral density in front of me and uh one has a little shut in front that filters out so you get rg and b red green, and blue and then the computer inside the camera or on your computer processes it and interprets it as if it would be what you can see but none of these wavelengths are visible to the human eye they're all much much longer than we could possibly see, uh, with I see. Our- all right back with professor keating brian keating is a distinguished professor it's not an adjective I made up. It's part of his title, Distinguished Professor of Physics. University of California, San Diego. So I asked you if this telescope peering into the truly earliest part of the universe we've ever seen and giving more affirmation that there was a Big Bang, does that do you think move any of your colleagues to even meditate on the notion that there's a creator? Uh, I'm going to answer your question, Dennis. I'm not trying to be evasive, but I've always wanted to ask you kind of the inverse of that question. So if you'll permit me, do you think that these images, I'm showing them now from my website, briankating.com slash list, 
Um, do you think they'll convince religiously affiliated people to take science more seriously? Well, you know how religious I am and how God-centered I try to be. And I take, look, the fact that I'm having the whole hour with you shows, I, I take it seriously. What I don't take seriously is the notion that science will teach me good and evil or, or meaning. I, I agree. I think, though, that, Dennis, that the, this should be a vehicle to science because I think, you know, it says heavens proclaim the wisdom of God. Right, That's, right. It also says, Dennis, it also says, to, as you know, um, Abraham, and, and you know better than anybody, I learned this from you, Hebrew has a command form. God tells Abraham, go and count the stars. Now, I take that personally in my life hmm. as a commandment to do what I do hmm. to get more appreciation for the works of the Creator mm-hmm. by studying His handiwork, which mm-hmm. to me is what I do. So do I care that somebody else doesn't have a belief in God who's an atheist? I, I'm not going to try to convince them, but why, why waste my time with those people, Dennis? Why not start with people like your listeners and say, look, if you want to deepen your amuna, your faith, your tenacity of your belief in the existential uh, existence <laughs> to be repetitive of the ultimate being, then study sign. It's the only language that we get that he speaks that we can speak, Dennis. We don't speak whatever language, other language God speaks, other than math and science. So I, I encourage... Your math, and science, and Bach. <laughs> yeah, and music, right? Yeah. I mean, you could ask, why did God make so many colors? Why did he make I, infrared? I what, couldn't, what, right. What this galaxy, Stefan's quintet that I'm showing behind me in the video, what does that have to do with daily life on Earth? No, it's about more than that. BrianKeating.com slash list. He's a special man, my friends. Brian, this was a joy. It went too fast. Yeah. Love you, Dennis. Thank you. It's mutual. The Dennis Prager Show, live from the Relief Factor Pain-Free Studio. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.